Welcome guys, hello. Before we start, I wanted to tell you about something very exciting happening next week. That's on the 30th of August 2021. I'm running a free Facebook challenge, a challenge called Student Magnet Challenge. It's a challenge where I will teach you how to attract those dreamy potential clients, students to your ELT business. There's going to be three days of live training and a jam-packed masterclass on day four, where I'll teach you all about basically marketing and advertising yourself in the online space, how to nail it, how to think about it, how to be, uh, you know, smart about it. So you're not working your ass off thinking of content, thinking of things that will help um, your students discover you. I will tell you exactly what to do so you are on your way to success and to finding those ideal students. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not going to be everybody. You're not going to attract every single person who needs to improve their English uh, or whatever else that you're offering in your business. It's going to be those chosen special people. And that's what we want to achieve. And I want to show you exactly how to do it. Because once you've achieved that, once you've got ideal students in your business, your business is just Oh, amazing. And you're going to feel that you're doing something that is worthwhile, enjoyable and brings you joy and money. So make sure that you sign up. The best way to sign up is by clicking on the link uh, that's attached to the description of this um, episode or just go to my Instagram at olakowalska underscore ELT and DM me, message me and I'll send you a link or email me at olakowalskaelt at gmail.com and I can send you a link to sign up. Um, I can't wait to see you all there because I know it's going to be amazing and super useful. I love the energy of of a crowd um, and a big audience. So I hope we can make it even bigger than it is already because there is 40 people signed up already. So you don't want to miss out. You don't want to feel the FOMO of of, of uh, you know, FOMO, just FOMO. <laughs> Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Stand Out in ELT. I'm Ola Kowalska and I'm the host of this extraordinary podcast. I wanted to bring you a platform where you hear from myself and other amazing and inspiring people who have created their success and stand out in ELT. People say that English language teaching is a saturated market, so it's absolutely crucial that you know how to stand out. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I'm going to inspire you to take action. So, welcome to this space, and I can't wait for you to stand out and build your legacy in ELT. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of Stand Out in ELT. I've got a very special guest with me today. It's Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I'm very excited for this chat. Me Maddie too. is literally my uh, sort of twin sister from another <laughs> mother, <miss> <laughs> another country, another culture. But um, you're going to see in a moment why. Okay. Maddie, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, sure. So I'm Maddie. I, um, I did exactly the same job as Ola in exactly the same company, just in a different city. Um, and we met 
yeah, we met through work and we realized we had many, many, many similarities in our teaching style, in our management style, in our birthdays. It was all a bit random and it was all a bit kind of, wow, I think we need to be friends. Um, and yeah, I've been working in ELT since 2007 and uh, I, I love it. It's been a, a career full of passion and joy. Obviously, there have been a few setbacks. Uh, but that's life, right? Uh, nothing always goes to plan. And uh, yeah, I'm quite excited to talk about my journey so far with you all. Mm, amazing. Oh, that I found one thing that is not similar. So I started my ELT career in 2009. So finally, oh, we've got something. That there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's even clothes. It's even it really clothes. is, exactly. We, we, when we first saw each other, we, we were basically dressed the same. <laughs> Which is quite creepy, but <laughs> anyways, okay. So, Muddy, tell us please, um, how did your ELT journey begin? Why did it begin? <laughs> well, so my it all kind of stems back to my university course, and I've always studied languages. And at uni, I did Spanish and Portuguese. Um, and as part of my degree, I had to study abroad for a year and a term. And I did my term abroad in Spain. I absolutely loved it. I studied in a language centre um, and it was probably my first experience of full immersion language classrooms. You know, we were taught by Spanish teachers in Spain. There was no English in the classroom. It blew my mind. It was amazing. And then I had to do my year abroad in Lisbon and because I just loved Portugal. I fell in love in Portugal with Portugal. Another similarity. <laughs> You see, the best city in the world. We love Lisbon. And um, I was, yeah, coming to the end of my third year um, in Lisbon. And I had this revelation of, I don't really want to live in the UK anymore. It's not for me. It's not, it's not made for me. How can I get back to living in this city? And ELT was the, I want to say, the easy option. I kind of fell into the CELTA, was like, I'll do a CELTA. I'll work there for a year and then I'll travel. So I came back to the UK, graduated. Um, uh, yeah, graduated in June, worked over the summer, got my money together to do the CELTA and then did my CELTA in October, fell into a job 1st November and stayed in Lisbon for another nine years teaching English. Wow, I didn't know you spent so much time in Lisbon. Yeah. That's amazing. You must yeah. know the city inside out now. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, I would say it's my second home. And I, I do, you know, I haven't got the passport quite yet, but it's definitely... I, I am a little bit Portuguese, though, so I, I'm not fully English anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, and, and yeah, that passion for languages, that's definitely like I know lots of people who come to this profession not not exactly out of passion. Mm -hmm. They just think it is going to be an easy way to to just travel and maybe do something by the way. But I feel absolutely mm. I think that was that was basically how I started. Um, and then I would say it was maybe the second day of the course when I had to do my first teaching. And I was like, oh, no, actually, I think I'm meant to be a teacher. I, th I think this might be a job for me. You know, and I, I come from a family of teachers. So my mum uh, is now a retired primary school teacher. My sister is a secondary school teacher. Um, and I think there's something in the blood. You know, you, it's that passion of getting learning out there and, and getting information out there. And I definitely think the CELTA, I, I, I took it on as an easy way to travel. Um, and then the reality was I just fell in love with the classroom and kind of, yeah, sharing knowledge and, and seeing people yeah, explore the language. It's, it's amazing. It really is an amazing job. 
It is brilliant. Yeah, I'd love to be your student. Oh my God. <laughs> like there are certain energies of people. And I think that there, there, there has to be an element of charisma and like yeah. personal character. I remember um, in my first ever teaching job, I heard from a manager that when you enter the classroom, I was teaching kids, mind you, um, which was even weirder, I think. When you um, enter the classroom, you should actually leave your personality outside the classroom. And I found that so bizarre because yeah. it felt so against my beliefs which were Absolutely. only just forming I was just 20 then mm-hmm. um I felt that if 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 I'm this funny bubbly person and then yeah. I leave that outside who am I gonna be the most boring person ever and who do co- kids love yeah like funny bubbly oh, no, I, I often say that I'm not really a teacher I'm more of a clown or an actress combined you know and that's that's how to get people on board, especially when you're dealing with either younger learners or lower level learners. I think you have to be this kind of a bit zany, a bit bubbly, just to kind of really engage with the learners and make them feel comfortable. You know, we did, a lot of a lot of language teaching is about making people feel comfortable to make mistakes. And if you're at the front kind of being a bit wacky, well, they're going to feel much more comfortable. I totally agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, obviously, it doesn't mean that if you're not naturally this kind of person, there's nothing wrong with you. But I think if it is your personality trait, then why not use yeah. it to your advantage, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. A bit of of a performer. You know, it might be controversial because people sometimes think that it's like, oh, it's, it's more performing than mm. teaching. But mm-hmm. to be honest, a good skilled teacher can combine the two. Yeah. Um, and again, nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Right. So how did your career then sort of uh, um, change what's happened on the way? How did you land the job that we both did at some point? <laughs> so I would say, yeah, after about maybe five or six years in the job in Portugal, I kind of was getting, you know, itchy feet. I was, I was a bit bored. I was doing the same job that I had been hired to do five years previously. So I was feeling like I was missing somewhat of a challenge. Um, so my husband and I, we kind of, we spoke about where do we want to go? Are we staying in Portugal? What's the goal? And we we kind of said, no, actually, I feel like maybe moving back to the UK would probably be better for both of us. Now, he's not English, so it was a huge decision to kind of make us, mm. yeah, to make us make that call and go, actually, I think it probably is going to be the better, the better place for us. But that that decision to move back to the UK then triggered a okay, what do I want to do now? And so I hit this kind of quandary of do I want to stay in EFL? Um, do I want to go into mainstream teaching? Uh, what do I want to do? And I kind of ummed and ahmed between the two different things. And I thought, well, at the minute I'm really enjoying EFL, so I'm going to explore the Delta. And I then kind of yeah took on the Delta. Um, and the way that I did it, it was over three years, basically, I did one module per academic year. And that was more than enough. I, I don't know how people do it in a summer. I think that is just a crazy way of doing it. <laughs> so it's just, or, wow. while, or while pregnant. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It was already bad enough, simply just kind of dealing with it on my own, you know, over an academic year. So I did the Delta. Um, and then once the delta kind of was I'd done two modules we were at the point where I was like you know what let's let's come back to the UK mm-hmm. so I came back to the UK for two summers did summer schools uh, to get you know UK multilingual classroom experience um, and then at the end of my second summer school we had already moved physically to the UK but we had no job um, and so I was working in Cambridge now Cambridge is a hub 
for language schools. You know, there are summer schools everywhere. There are, a f- a, well, there were, maybe not so many nowadays, but there were a fair few language schools dotted around the city. So after work one day with the summer school, I just kind of went for a stroll um, and saw Stafford House wow. <laughs> in the centre of town and was like, oh, I'll just drop in, see if they've got any any dubs going, kind of knocked, went to drop my CV off. And they were like, well, actually, we're hiring. Do you want to do an interview? Did an interview and got a job there and then. So it was no kind of way. a whirlwind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. your fan. I'm your fan. <laughs> I was going to ask you at the end of the podcast, but I think it's going to be relevant now. How yeah. do you stand out in ELT like that? Like that. <laughs> you put your, not only food, your whole self yeah. in the door and you get it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that was really important, you know. I could have sent an email, I could have phoned, but I was like, I'm in the city. It makes no sense not to kind of just knock and be like, oh, have you got anything going? And, and they, they did. And I was really lucky. And um, yeah, so they hired me there and then. I started the, the following week, basically, um, just teaching on like an hourly contract. Um, and then whilst I was finishing off my Delta, I was on this hourly contract. And then when I finished the Delta, um, the position for senior teacher uh, arose. I applied and I got the job in January and then I was in that position for about a year applied for the ADOS position which which kind of came up and got that and was an ADOS for what three years I think wow yeah. that's so good I love yeah. it I it love was, it are you it as if about. ask as if you just you just came in asked for it and you received it yeah and people don't think that's possible it no, is possible, absolutely right it definitely it definitely is possible it definitely is I think you have to be you have to be aware that it's not always going to happen. That's definitely for sure. But go in there with a positive attitude and, and, you know, sell yourself. Just say, I'm here. I've got this much experience. I, I love teaching because of this. And I think the positivity kind of, yeah, it, it made them say, actually, we want her on the team. So, yeah. yeah, you're definitely such an approachable person as well. That helps. <laughs> <I> try. <laughs> <laughs> no, love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. Um, and then... You obviously, I can I can guess because I did the same job yeah. during the the sort of period of being a, a manager. You you probably learned quite a lot, quite yeah. different things. Compared a whole to- different skill set, yeah. and I I really think I learned a lot from my manager. Um, I definitely am. I'm I'm a like a I'm a, I'm a doer. I'm a reactive person, and right, and we're right. the same person. You know, something happens, and I will be like bam fix it and my my manager basically said to me Maddie this is great energy you're getting stuff done but like take a step back think about why and it it really made me kind of stop and reflect to be a good manager you have to be reactive you absolutely have to be reactive but you have to have that bigger picture and you have to understand what's causing it and is it worth me getting mad about this because there's a whole other world behind it is it is it worth kind of chasing it is it worth my stress is it worth I don't know is it is it detrimental to student progress for example mm. yes okay then we chase it no then maybe we leave it we speak to the teachers you know or or the process is the process working is it helping students no well then how can we adjust it so that it is actually helping and supporting our students in the correct way so I learned yeah I learned a lot about the bigger picture of a language school of how things fit together of how my job as a teacher impacts my senior teacher's job and then the ADOS's job and then the DOS's job. And I think, it, you know, having worked up, 
you know, through the different positions, I could really see where I I sat in that ladder of tasks and, and responsibilities and, and who can help who and who impacts on who. And I think potentially some teachers don't always realise that. So it's, it's, no. quite, it's quite nice to kind of have that bigger overview now. Yeah. No, I love it. Big shout out to Laureline. Yeah. Be listening to it. Because I, I find that a very, very um, interesting thing to to say I've never actually thought about it that way because I'm also an action taker and doer very often action before even thinking um and unfortunately it can lead to like you know taking things personally a little bit too much because it just frustrates you with when you can't complete those tasks that you exactly absolutely the the bigger picture is very important and also what I learned I don't know if you agree with me but I, I feel that that's part of that job is understanding um the sort of educational environment from a point of view of ma- a manager but also a person dealing with clients actually 100% 100% the art and this is this was the skill that i i honed first the art of i would say sending an email to an agent oh that's something that you're never trained for on yourself sir and it's all about giving all of that real information, basically your student hasn't come into class and we need to figure out why, but doing it in a way where you are explaining, we are asking about this because we care educationally, but also this is the business and we need to figure out what's going on and we need to make sure that your 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 client is happy with us and is happy with you. And it's it's 100% a different perspective than just being the teacher. In the, in the classroom you feel that the, your job is to educate and you are there to share a mission and as soon as you go into this kind of more organizational role you start to realize this is a business and things like class ratios for example which are such a pain like you really have to figure things out whatever there's a reason why they exist and if you don't do your job correctly then the school will lose money and therefore, it won't pay. Those precious teachers, exactly, won't have jobs. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. And, and I think the art of keeping students happy, mm. <laughs> you know, knowing how to, knowing how to um, help them really deal with their own expectations. Yeah. Because we would very often get students who would arrive in the UK um, assuming that by having paid however much they've paid to come on their course in the UK for however long, that is going to get them to where they need to be. Oh, yeah. Just by being in the school, not studying, <laughs> not, not paying Absorbing attention. Absorbing the air. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not even coming to class on time, you know, or just coming to lesson two. But I came to lesson two out of three lessons, you know. You kind of oh. go, well, that's not enough. And I think it's, it's a really important skill as a manager within an ELT institution to be able to discuss student expectations and student outcomes in a really rational in a really supportive way where you can say I know that this is your academic goal but look where you are right now and Mm -hmm. understand how you will achieve this academic goal it might be achievable through lots of hard work it might be impossible to get where you want to get and that's really you know that's such a hard thing to say to a student you know you've you've arrived here you're going to study with us for four months and you need to jump six IELTS bands you know how do you say to somebody it's just not going to happen without kind of making them go all right cool I'm just going to leave because 
as a company you need that student in your school yeah so it's all about kind of helping them adjust their expectations uh, making sure that you're providing them with every support that you can to achieve their academic goal whilst at the same time going well be realistic mate right a hundred percent a hundred percent I totally agree. And I also, I wish teachers would, um, I don't know, I, I feel that teachers should also be trained in that sort of perspective yeah. of looking at students as uh, clients, paying yeah. customers, yeah. because there are a lot of myths about education and, and, and the role of a teacher. But I feel that really successful teachers who know how business works and everything yeah. is a business, even if it's just just um state school education it's always leading to some result and like seeing those two sides it's not only um about teaching them the bloody present perfect it's also about getting them to a place where they want to be and we need to take lots of different steps to to i think for me the biggest eye-opener that i ever like i ever had and this was in my school back in portugal we had a we had a staff meeting and um i, I don't know if there had been student complaints or if it was just it was just the management team had noticed that some teachers were giving students like practice tests in class really frequently like far too frequently than they should have been doing right and the response was that's not okay because these students are paying to come here and the teachers were kind of saying, yeah, but we need to give them practice tests, you know, which I agree with 100%. You do need to give practice tests for test students when they're preparing for an exam. Absolutely. But it needs to be balanced with actual input and actual linguistic development. Yeah. And the, uh, the management team said to us, we don't normally do this because it will normally raise the question of, well, why am I getting paid so little? But in your class, you have 14 students. They pay 300 euros per month for nice. two hours a week. So take your 300 euros a month, whatever it is, times that by your students, divided by the hours you've got in class. You've just you've just taught them for two hours and the value of your lesson should have been 2000 euros. Was that a 2000 euros worth lesson? <sighs> giving them giving them a, a practice test. And then we were like, oh, yeah, no, it, it really isn't. And they're like, obviously, that's not how it works. Obviously, we've got school over costs, all this kind of stuff, you know, the bigger picture. But. If we break it down like that, as a student, you have paid 50 euros for that lesson and you've sat and done a test. Would you be happy with that? And it was at that point that I was like, no, of course not. So every second in your class is precious and you can't leave two minutes early and you can't start five minutes late. It's not professional, but it's also as a client, you're shortchanging them. It's like saying, oh, that's £9.50 and making them pay £10. You know, it it. As a teacher, it's your responsibility to hit the parameters for whatever your client is paying for. If they're paying for exam preparation, you prepare them for the exam. You don't you don't give them a practice test every three weeks and go, cool, off you go, you're ready. That, that's that's not how it works. So for me, that that was that was like a real eye opener for sure. That was that's that's a really 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 good way of looking at it. Um, uh, yeah, ooh, food for thought, <laughs> definitely right? food for thought. <laughs> I think it's easier for people who, uh, obviously, if you work for a language school, it's definitely much more difficult to to see that value yeah. of what of you course. pay because you're paid a certain hourly rate. But then 
if you start charging your your for your own services, that maybe that's a bit easier to yeah. realize. But still, teachers, there are people who still do crap, crappy jobs and don't look at their students as um, you know customers. They they yeah. just think there are still those like I, I I went live the other day about native and non-native speaker mm-hmm. bias on Instagram talking about. Unfortunately, lots of native speakers just knowing that students want to come and just talk. So there is no lesson prep, yeah. nothing. What's that? Yeah. What's yeah, that? Yeah. That's just just cheating, honestly. Yeah, that's exactly. just cheating. Um so yeah, that's that's really great to to realize. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You're, however, now moving away from that role. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What's happening? So I've made the big, big jump, jumping ship, and I'm uh, I'm moving from. I always say I'm leaving the EFL world. I don't think I am leaving the EFL world, but I'm making a a small departure, and I'm going to go and uh, retrain um, as a teacher for a like for mainstream state education here in the UK. Um, teaching languages still, but kind of reversing it. So instead of teaching all of our lovely foreign students how to speak English, I'll be teaching our lovely English kids how to teach. Spanish and French in theory. <laughs> That's amazing. Love it. Love it. We've already had a chat about it, but I think the skills that we learn, especially on such an eye-opening course um, like CELTA, because it is just a different course. Yeah. It is a, a, a one-of-a-kind course. Yeah. I'm not an agent for CELTA, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and that you're just going to smash it. And those kids, all the English kids from Cambridge, are just going to be... <laughs> Fluent speaking. Fluent Spanish, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What made you what made you uh decide to 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 change? Like did you want to try something new or yeah, I think for me it's always been it's always been something that's been I've been thinking about. And when I first moved back to the UK, you know, it was one of those things that I, I I said to my husband, I will probably find some work within ELT but I'm not sure for how long, and I'm not sure how stable it would be. Um, and in terms of longer term prospects, I felt that the PGCE was probably going to equip me better um, in order to find a job that's not so maybe limited geographically, um, yeah. not so limited in terms of progression options, and also salaries tend to be a little bit better, uh, which is bizarre because you think it's government paid mainstream education, but actually the salaries are, I would say, a lot better than um, than the ELT world as a as a rule of thumb. Um, so I kind of yeah, I've, I guess the whole coronavirus it obviously had a massive impact on the ELT in the UK, and it's made me stop and reflect and think: Is it worth me doing this more? Do I love it enough to take the stress? Do I love it enough to, to settle for the moment? Because in terms of progression in my current school, in my now ex-school, but, but yeah, the school I was at, mm. there weren't huge options in terms of progression. I mean, there were, there were probably things I could have done, but I felt, I think I was a bit stuck. And I think the, the, the COVID kind of push has been, go and try this. Um, obviously within the UK, there is uh, government funding for certain subjects and NFL is one of those subjects so I thought I'd make the most of there being government funding um, whilst it still exists and I can explore that option get myself better qualified uh, trained in a different way more experience with another student profile 
Um, and ideally, I think once I finish this year of training, it will be looking to find a position where I can kind of combine everything. So obviously Spanish and French would be the training focus. And those are going to be the languages that are mostly available within the UK. But within within UK schools, and it depends where you are geographically, but there are lots of kids who have English as a second language and therefore EFL. I mean, that's what it is. EFL, they call it EAL. Um, And I would love to be able to kind of to explore and provide support for EAL students as well as um, modern foreign languages. Um, and in order to do that within the UK main mainstream schools, you do need that PGC qualification in order to be able to, or the QTS at least, you know, you yeah. can be a qualified teacher to be able to do that in mainstream schools. So the, the, the dream, I guess, we're going to say is combining EFL experience up for now with the MFL experience, which is coming my way as well. That's so exciting. Super exciting. That's super exciting. And also, uh, like, we had that chat at the beginning, but it's... Theoretically, yeah, um, it's taking a step back because yeah. you're taking a step back from a managerial position yeah. to do something else. But to me, it's just opening yourself to so many different opportunities. Yeah. And I find that inspiring and brave. Do you Thanks. feel like that? I, I, want, I want to say I feel really brave. I feel terrified. <laughs> But that's But normal. also very excited. And I think that's when I kind of go, this was this. I think I can recognize externally, this is a really big decision and I'm really proud of myself having made this decision. And I think it is, it's that thing of exactly, it feels like a step back, but I don't think it is a step back in in terms of, well, it's not like I'm forgetting everything I've done so far. Mm. Everything I've done so far is going to be applicable. And then once I've got that kind of qualification box ticked, then You know, so many doors are going to be open to me. So, yeah, I think I think it's just so different as well. Like, honestly, yeah, it's an it and it's such a such an inspiring message. You basically from a person who realized at some point at the beginning that, oh, actually teaching is my sort of vocation. I love it. And then, you know, taking that sort of um, like developing in that career yeah and literally knocking at some door getting a job then getting promoted in that job and now you recognize that oh okay I'm a bit stuck so I'm just gonna do something else but to me what it all sounds is like you are a living example of a person who takes action and that's just again inspiring I love it because without that without that action how are you gonna know if that's for you if that's going to work for you this is exactly it. I know I think I am a I'm a very I like I'm a person that likes stability and I think that's reflected in my CV when you kind of say well in Portugal I was at the same school for nine years and then I was been at my, my last sports happen house for five years you know I I I like stability and I, I like to feel that I am in a position of security but that there is progress available and I think that's it in both positions that I, I when I left it was like there's nowhere for me to go so yeah. I need to take another another decision I need to take another path and let's see where it leads you know mm. who knows exactly who knows? exactly and that's, and that's the brave part as well yeah. because you know it, it, the fact that you like stability but you still decide you are able to recognize that point when you're oh okay 
right, I'm just going to try something else yeah. and see how it works out. Absolutely. You know, yeah. assuming it will work out because of all your experience, <laughs> because it, it is, I'm sure it's going to be amazing um, and that you're going to be at some point ahead of something very big. <laughs> 700 languages you just got a thing for it well attracted to you naturally I think um yeah amazing such an inspiring chat thank you I'm gonna ask you again yeah what do you think makes you stand out in ELT me personally or a person in general no you oh okay why not why not interpret it as you me me personally Mm. I think I stand out because I am a very happy, positive person. And I think happy, positive people make the world go round. Not to blow my own trumpet, but like you need to, you need to be positive. <laughs> we of course. need to be in the world, right? Um, to make yourself stand out in ELT, I think you need to identify in your mind what it is you want to do. Who do you want to teach? Why do you want to teach them? And then go for it. You know, I remember when I was in Portugal, my school was a typical language school. And my students were age four and a half up to 85. And (laughs) I loved teaching them all. But, you know, you would teach an hour of four year olds, followed by two hours of teenage CAEs, followed by a class of adults who were pre-intermediate students. And your brain couldn't figure it out. And that's kind of when I was, when we came back to the UK and I was like, I'm just teaching 16 plus. This is delightful. And they were all like, oh, they're normally about 25. Oh, I love it. And that's when I say, I know that I like teaching older teens and adults. Right. I love it. And that's my thing, which is why I'm doing a secondary school PGC and not a primary school PGC. Exactly. It's not my thing. It's not my thing. And it's that's fine. And it's okay. You guys didn't see because we're recording it on Zoom. I sent a little celebration emoji because I loved what Maddie said so much. (laughs) Exactly that. If you do not realize what your sort of what your not only strength is, but preference is, if you are not clear on that, then you're just constantly going to be just sort of mediocre because you are going to waste your man- uh, your en- your manager why manager energy on figuring that out and yeah the sooner the better um realizing what you want and what you and what you can do best is just the way to go forward and as i'd like to add there as well i remember in my interview and in the interviews that we would do in the language school in the uk we would ask teachers what do you prefer teaching and Many teachers, I think, see this as a trick question. Yep. Like if the, if your manager says, what do you prefer teaching? And your honest answer is teenage intermediate students, tell them and tell them why and let them see your passion for that age group and that level. And then the follow-up question, and it probably will be the same for most schools, is who do you dislike teaching or what do you, what do you not prefer teaching? And I remember kind of saying, to be honest, I don't really type, like teaching pre-intermediate students. Yeah. Why? Because they're at that middle point. And, and for me, honestly, I, I would take a class of absolute beginners or advanced. And mm-hmm. I am as happy as can be. Those pre-intermediate students, they're just not for me. And that's okay. You know, that's fine. And professionally, if you can identify your areas that you dislike, well, then you can opt to either work on that 
or just hone the area that you're you know that you prefer I think it's really important to be able to articulate it and to identify it love it love it not gonna add anything else because <laughs> it's it, it's it'll get dissolved no love it Maddie it's been a pleasure it's uh, been all mine yeah we all together like sorry blowing our own trumpets <laughs> uh, we're just something else I love it I love the energy of this um of this chat I hope it's been inspiring for all of you listening um to you know be yourselves to ask for what you want to um you know sit down and think what you want to do and how you want to progress in your career because anything is possible when you know what you want to do um, and you just when you just reach for it isn't it absolutely go for it yeah <laughs> thank you so much maddie thank you <laughs> lovely guys um thanks so much for listening uh, this was the first of the series of many interviews i'm gonna have chats lovely chats actually um on this podcast and i hope you find them inspiring please remember to subscribe rate comment share with your friends because the more you do it the more people we can reach and the more people can listen to this amazing awesome message um that people can stand out in ELT and have amazing inspiring careers and be very very happy so again thank you so much and um I'll see you hear you talk to your ears um next time thanks bye Being a teacher is your superpower. You know how to do it. But developing a business mindset and business skills can be tricky. So if you're a bit lost or maybe fed up with figuring it all out on your own, don't worry. I've created this podcast and other free resources to help you. Follow me on Instagram for a daily dose of education, energy, motivation and fun. If you're interested in working with me, please get in touch and I'll be very happy to tell you about ways of working with me. Don't be a stranger. Say hello from time to time on social media. I love getting to know you better. You're my ELT tribe. And for now, bye and until next time. <laughs>